We talk a lot about the joys of exploring fantastical worlds in books or in film, but what is it like to actually bring such characters to life in a theater setting or to help guide the production of live performances for families and churches? This is Fantastical Truth, the podcast from Lorehaven. On this podcast, we find the best of Christian fantasy, science fiction, and beyond, and we love applying the truths, the beauties, the wonder of these stories to the real world that our creator, Jesus Christ, has called us to serve. I am Eastimer Burnett. I published Lorehaven, and of late, I'm also the co-author of the new book, nonfiction, called The Pop Culture Parent. And I'm Zachary Russell, but my stage name is Zach. And this is episode 33, How Does Portraying Fantastical Characters Develop Christian Character, with Julie Novak. Julie is the director of Christian Youth Theater here in Austin, and we are going to be talking to her about how CYT is a great program for kids and how it develops Christian character through the arts. Zach, I've had the privilege back when we could go to live events to see several of these plays that one or more of your own personal kids have been involved in. They have such a high production value, uh, particularly, we just got to say it, for a performance that takes place in a church. Uh, There's plenty of jokes and memes and satire articles about how lame Christian church performances can be. But in this case, there's no special disclaimer needed. Uh, Christian Youth Theater does it right, and it is very entertaining. Just great work with the dancing and the acting and costumes and all of that. And, of course, high regard for the fantastical in the performances that I've seen. I really hope we can get through with this pandemic at some point, at least by the year 2021, so we can start attending those performances again. Well, thanks very much, Stephen. Yeah, we've been involved with CYT for a few years now. and. Pretty much never a day goes by that a <laughs> a musical of some kind is being sung in our house by our kids. You know, it's even caught on to me. I, the ironic thing is I've never liked musicals, okay? Uh, Naomi has really gotten me into them just little by little. And we've, we've gone to see a lot on dates and then now our kids are into them. But Naomi grew up doing this in high school. And so it's just it's just natural that our kids have gotten into it. But yeah, this has been such a fun program. It's for kids 8 to 18. It's an after-school program. Uh, It's been around about 40 years, and there's uh, about 27 branches across the U.S. And so, listener, you know, we want you to uh, check in the show notes. We'll have a a map or we'll have a, a link to CYT's website where you can see where they have this program all over the country. And if you're listening in a country that's not the U.S., hey, maybe you can help start CYT in your country, your city. But uh, we have loved this program because of the really positive environment that it's created for our kids to be involved. We're a homeschooling family. We've talked about that before. And so this is uh, a lot of homeschooling kids go to this program. But, you know, you don't have to be a homeschooler. You don't even have to be a Christian to go. uh, It's open to everyone. And it's actually attracted quite a few people outside the church because of the caliber of the productions they, they put on. That sounds like a fantastic way for parents to help engage a particular form of popular culture with their kids. In this case, the popular culture of musical theater or just theatrical performance in general, which would, of course, lead me in the direction of setting up this episode's sponsor, which just like before, once more, is The Pop Culture Parent. That is the new nonfiction book that I had the blessing of co-writing along with my friends and colleagues at Ted Turneau and Jared Moore. 
The subtitle for this book is Helping Kids Engage Their World for Christ. It is a nonfiction book, traditionally published, actually, from New Growth Press. Uh, They put out lots of great resources for Christians, parents, counselors, pastors, uh, spiritual leaders of all kinds. Just really good, solid, readable stuff. And we're grateful to have uh, our project added to that collection. Uh, This book is not just for parents. It's for anyone who is blessed with the mission, the ministry of kids, of being involved with uh, younger children, older children, teenagers, who, of course, are living in a universe of popular culture. The stories and songs, the movies, the TV, the games, the memes, the TikTok videos, everything that is in the very air that we breathe. And this book aims to get beyond some of the pet answers that Christians have historically had about popular culture, including the ever-popular Avoid It All, It's Terrible, and the increasingly popular It's All Wonderful, Let's Just Bring It All In. Uh, In this book, we try to posit not just a third way, but maybe a more biblical way of defining the calling of the parent and the purpose of popular culture, and then using five very practical questions to help you and your kids get through this universe of popular culture together for the glory of God. I'm going to read a quick quote from that book, uh, page 10, actually, in chapter one. It says, quote, at this point, you may still have concerns about engaging popular culture with your children. Isn't being a pop culture parent simply optional? Don't you have more important things to teach your children, such as biblical worldviews, apologetics or career readiness? Later, we will answer these concerns in more detail. For now, we'll provide the main reason cultural engagement is a vital part of our parental calling. This impossible mission, which we must choose to accept, is a way to glorify God by enjoying Him forever through His gifts. We do this in three ways, by worshiping and enjoying personal relationships with God through Jesus by the Holy Spirit, by reflecting His grace in relationship with our children and other Christians, and by letting that grace shine to those who need to know God, that is, bringing His gospel to our friends and neighbors. We can't do any of this apart from making an engaging culture. End quote. That book is available, of course, on Amazon. I saw it at Barnes & Noble. I saw it at Walmart.com. It's also on the Gospel Coalition, uh, 10 com. ChristianBook.com, I think, has it. And, of course, you can also get it directly from the publisher itself, NewGrowthPress.com. Congrats again, Stephen, on launching that book. About a chapter into it and really enjoying it so far. So I'm really glad I got that in the mail this week and uh, Naomi and I are enjoying diving into it. So we're going to have Julie Novak on in just a second and talk about the power of live theater for understanding and relating to other characters and, and other people that are so different. It, we um, th- This will just be a solo interview that Julie and I had. Uh, it was a really in- enjoyable time. Um, Steven, there, there's a friend of mine that I had in Houston uh, about 10 years ago. I guess I still have. Uh, my friend Kevin, he works for this company called AD Players, which is a Christian live theater company. And he had this really gro- great quote one time. that just came to mind where he said, live theater is what helps you learn what it means to be a human. You know, you're putting on this persona, this... Um, this whole other different attitude of someone completely different than you, or maybe a little similar in some ways. And like you're, you're getting to explore humanity. And so uh, it was that moment that I really understood what draws people into theater and that you are, you're getting as close as possible to people who are completely different from you and just kind of walking around uh, in their shoes. And and so um, this was a great discussion that we had. And so let's go to that interview. 
Well, we're joined today by Julie Novak. She has been teaching and directing theater in a school and community setting for over 20 years. Julie has directed plays, musicals, one acts, musical reviews, competition scenes, concerts, and benefit shows too numerous to count. Outside of her teaching career, she has worked as an acting coach, speaker, ghostwriter, vocalist, and done voiceover studio work. Her greatest love is working with young people in the arts and helping them develop confidence and belief in their personal gift set. Julie began CYT Austin after she felt called to take her passion to speak life and encouragement into young people through the arts, outside the walls of a school and into her community. Well, welcome, Julie, to the Fantastical Truth Podcast. Thank you. It is great to be here. Super excited. So tell us first, what's your earliest memory of a fantastical story that you read or that you watched or that you otherwise encountered? Okay, this is going way back. And it's a silly one, but it's Mary Mary Poppins. Oh, yeah. And even though she's not like a superhero or a super fantasy hero, she was magical. And the first time I saw that movie, I was just obsessed with her powers. She's she's definitely a supernatural nanny. <laughs> yes. So and I and I love that that's been one of CYT's shows. It's come full circle. It has. And how did you first discover Christian truth? You know, I had the luxury of growing up in a Christian home. My father went to Dallas Theological Seminary. And um, after studying radio and television at the University of Houston, so he was a natural performer, uh, but had just a great passion for teaching the Word of God. And um, so I grew up in that kind of a household. And the wonderful thing about that was that I had a father who was an artistic creative and appreciated all forms of art and performance and writing and speaking and also really constantly drilled into us the importance of Jesus Christ in our lives and the Bible. So that was a really positive thing that I got to experience. So it sounds like you were just immersed in Christian culture from a very young age. That's wonderful. So today we're going to talk about your involvement in Christian youth theater and uh, and just theater in general, and how can our listeners be a part of this just wonderful, fantastical world of live theater. But let's first just talk about why theater. You know what makes theater unique. Why go to a live show rather than just turn on a streaming, you know, show, or or pick up a book? Like, what what is so different about live theater? Okay, live theater is real time. It's happening around you, in front of you. You're experiencing it with other people, and it's allowing the audience. It allows us as the audience to to see our humanness kind of in a vulnerable way because we're with a bunch of people right around us. And it gives us the opportunity, you know, to feel and to contemplate and and to laugh at the parts of ourselves that we see in the characters that we're watching and to cry at times over those characters' bad choices and the consequences that have come from those choices that they're watching be played out in the play. We can, you know, it gives us an opportunity to cheer for the underdog and uh, despise the villain and disdain the antagonist. 
And hopefully in live theater, the goal is that we've had such an experience that we walk away with something and we can look in the mirror and go, yeah, I need to make some changes. Yeah. You know, it's like the difference of going from a a movie to a book, like, you know, this phrase, like the book was better. Uh, It's because, you know, when you read a book, you're actually inside the head of the character rather than just kind of seeing them from the outside. But with theater, it's like you're taking a further step. You're becoming that character. Yes. You know, so you're, you're walk. It's almost like you're walking around in the, the skin of that character. It's like a simulation in, in a way. So, so what is that like? Because I, I never got into acting. Like, and you know, I'm I'm just famous for being terrible at acting, and so I just make it a joke. <laughs> but, but, but what is that like? Becoming a, a whole other person, you know, and in front of an audience, no less. You know, it's powerful. Most of our students who really, you know, excel as an actor are a little more introverted because they've done a lot of reading and they're very introspect. And when they get up there as a normally shy person, they are, they're holding the audience in their hands with, with the work that they're doing. And as an actor myself, just being able to move people, to move people to different emotions and to the contemplation and examination and to bring them joy in a very sorrowful time. Like now, it's sad that we can't do live theater because mm-hmm. live theater is something that brings joy in a very different way than watching a movie does. Um, it also is a form of community because you're with other people. But as the person on stage, you are not necessarily controlling that, but you are, you are bringing that to the audience. And that's a very powerful, powerful feeling in a very positive way. It's, it's, it's your act of service. It's an, it's an act of, of giving of yourself to, to the audience. And your, your hope is that whatever you're doing is going to bring them joy, going to make them laugh, going to make them think, going to move them to cry and to have a great experience because of the work that you're doing. I love that one. And I love how it almost just gets you more in touch with who you are and, and just how you, you know, relate to the world. You know, I know this phrase of developing stage presence, you know, just expressing a story through your, through your body, through moving and through, you know, gestures and body language. Uh, and it seems like acting is, is one of those things that really helps people get more comfortable in their own skin. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. And that's a big part of, of the training is, getting out of your own physicality, which is your own natural body movement and how you would respond and your body would respond and all of those things. That's a big piece of training is, is getting the student actor to recognize the habits in their own body language and learn other people's physicality and how other people move and act and be. And that is a growth for them as a person, as a human being, as the actor, they're learning about other people that are different than themselves. There was a show I really like, and they were talking to the actors after the fact, and they said, you know, of all the parts that you've played, which one is most like you? Or this actress said, well, none of them. I mean, that's the point of acting, (laughs) right? Like you're, (laughs) you're, you're becoming in a sense, these other people that are totally different than you. And so that's the challenge of of almost like incarnating into this whole other personality. 
So, uh, but I like that, that it, it's a way to sympathize with people completely different than you that you wouldn't otherwise understand. And you're kind of understanding them from the inside out. Um, so Julie, how did you get involved in theater in the first place? What's your origin story of, of being involved in theater? Well, it goes way back because I have been obsessed with storytelling, like for my entire life, which is almost every creative I've ever met. That's like their standard statement. You know, I've been obsessed <laughs> with stories. Um, so I've, I've actually been obsessed with stories and words. I love to write, but my earliest memories of anything theatrical was um, me having my neighborhood friends come over and assigning them the Mary Poppin roles and um, making them be my cast and directing the show. And that ended up turning into me writing my own stories and my own plays and dragging my neighborhood friends over <laughs> to play those roles and telling them where they were standing, what they were doing, what they were wearing. And that continued throughout my my young childhood. And then when I got into school, that was my main love was theater and, and choir. So I did that all through school. Um, when I got into high school, so all the classes that I could take for those subjects I did and uh, was in lots of plays and all those things that you do when that's your love and your passion. Uh, when I got into high school, things changed a little bit. I was very involved in choir and theater and um, they were my great loves. But I had a teacher close to my senior year that was really uh, discouraging. And um, I had won an award at a competition. And she told the class that the only reason why I had won the award was because I was attractive. And that the work I had done really didn't merit the award. Oh, gosh. And so that was like... You know, when you're a kid and you think you're good at something and this is your love and your passion and someone that you respect, you know, speaks those kinds of words to you, you, you take a step back and you go, okay, well maybe, maybe I'm not very good. Like maybe this is just ridiculous. Maybe this, I love it, but I'm not very good at it. And so it really devastated my self-esteem and confidence as an actor, director, singer. So I opted to not go into theater when I left high school. That was not what I decided to, that wasn't the direction I decided to go. Not long after that, after high school, when I was studying a different subject, I was asked to be involved in a, in a community theater project. And I was asked by the director, what, why don't you like, why is this not what you're working towards? Like, what is this about? And I, and I just had to step back and say, you know, I'd had a little bit of maturity behind me, not much since then, you know, so I was, my perspective was a little bit different because I was a little bit more mature. And I just said to myself, oh my gosh, you have let one person dictate your decisions about what you are, what your passion is. And then I took another step back and was like, my passion is going to be to speak life into young people about what it is that they are passionate about and what they're good at. Because the devastation of hearing negativity in a situation like that is that I made a major life choice based on that. And had I had a positive influence, uh, positive words being spoken into my talent and my gifts, then I would have made some different choices. And so 
at that point in my life, I decided I'm going to be working on, on theater as my craft, but I'm going to make it my mission to work with young people and make sure that, that I am a speaker of life and light into them. And so that was like my, that was like a epiphany, the light bulb moment in my life. It took me a while to get there, but that's, that was my goal. And that was the reason behind my goal. That's wonderful. I mean, that is just a textbook case of what man meant for evil, God meant for good. That, you know, you, you, unfortunately, you went through that experience. I, I mean, I think we can all relate to that, just having someone speak just words of death to you, but then realizing, wait a minute, <laughs> this gives me a calling to do something completely opposite <laughs> and positive in speaking words of life. I love that. Well, you know, with theater, it, it's such a, um, it's a risky thing, isn't it? Just being on stage, you're there in front of an audience. The audience is watching the story unfold before their eyes. It, you know, it's not pre-recorded, and, and that's uh, that's what I love about it. It's so authentic. You're watching it happen, but it it's risky because anything that can go wrong will go wrong. <laughs> so I, I'm sure you have uh, I'm sure you have a story that you could think of where where something has gone terribly wrong, like a, just a disaster in theater. So so tell us about something like that. Okay, I have, I have like. A ridiculous one from when I was really small, and then I'll tell a, like a, a recent one. So when I was really small, I was in a, a musical, and I had on a dress that had a wire skirt, a hoop skirt, and my mom was a terrible seamstress, and she sewed the wire in, and as I was dancing, the wire started to come out. And oh, no. so it was coming out, coming out, coming out, and other dancers were like stepping on it. And it was the worst experience because I was very young and I was so embarrassed. So that happened. And I just had to keep going and just knowing people, seeing them in my peripheral vision, that they were tripping over this wire that was coming <laughs> loose. So that was ridiculous. But more recently uh, with CYT, actually, we had just a really scary situation, which is typical. And I always tell my students, hey, expect, always expect for things to happen and go wrong because it is live theater and things do go wrong. Sets fall. Your prop isn't there. You're supposed to be dancing with a cane and you don't have it. You know, like there's all kinds of things that could be happening because it's live and live means mistakes. And yeah. it means that every performance is completely different because things happen differently when they're live each night. So I prepare them for the worst and I tell them no matter what happens, you wait. You wait until you understand what's happening before you make a decision about what's going on and you stay in character no matter what. So two examples, uh, when we were in Mary Poppins and our secretaries at the bank were in the middle of this scene where they were starting a song and the wrong song came up and there was about 20 of them. And the opportunity for that to be a, a disaster was there because they, they could have started singing the wrong song. It was similar to the other song, but they all stayed there frozen until they heard us go back to the correct song. So that was an example of how well they had listened to, you know, stop and wait, concentrate. And then the really large one was we were in the opening of The King and I, and we had a cast of about 75 and we were 20 minutes before the curtain and 
the sound system and all the computers went completely down. Oh, wow. Uh, there was a very ancient computer system that was running the sound uh, up in the uh, catwalk, and it just decided to die. It was over 10 years old, and something was happening. And so we had our leading lady sobbing on the stage. Everyone was in a panic and was just like, you know what? We're going to, we're just going to stop now. We're going to stop right now and we're just going to pray. And so the dads that were up in the, in the, you know, caught walk trying to figure it out, we're praying. Everybody, we just prayed. And um, about five minutes before we, we were supposed to start, one of the, guys at the church came, came back in and was able to contact somebody that knew the original password to get into that archaic computer. And we were able to get in there and fix it. This is a God thing, right? We had dads who were exceptional computer engineers that could figure it out. And so they were able to get in there and do their magic and we were able to start, but we had probably you know, 500 people waiting to come in and we couldn't open the house until we got that handled. And we just were like, God, you know, this work, these kids have done so much work and we know that you want them to honor the audience and, and perform for them. And, and it was just a great example for, for the kids that, that prayer works and that God cares about things like sound systems. Yeah. God cares about artists and storytellers. (laughs) And I, I just, I love that you invited Jesus into that disaster. You know, you didn't just run away and panic. You, you, you pressed into it. And, uh, and I love that attitude of live means mistakes. You know, that, that's just such a great perspective to have, to, to just expect it to happen and then think through how you're going to respond. Naomi has this great story of when she was in high school, she was in this really prestigious uh, high school program. Uh, and they were at the International Thespian Festival. And her uh, teacher, Ron Bright, was very widely known. Uh, He was the director of this program she was involved in in Hawaii. And uh, so anyone listening, if if you've heard of Ron Bright, he uh, just very well known in in the sphere. So so each night there was a a live performance and their troupe got to go first just just on the reputation of uh, Mr. Bright. So the whole audience of this thespian festival are theater kids. And so, of course, they're just watching every little detail, right? You know, and, and they, they know what's going to make it good or what's going to make it bad. So Naomi's troupe was doing a fairy tale comedy. And there was this prince with like this overbearing mother. And so he walks on stage and there was a, there was a set piece that had been accidentally left there on stage. It was like this tree. And he wasn't expecting it to be there, so he ran right into it and knocked it over. But then he caught it as it was falling, and he just stayed in character and said, oh, this is one of my mother's favorite trees. <laughs> <laughs> and so the audience just erupted because, of course, they, you know, everyone is looking at this tree going, wait, that shouldn't be there. And you know, he's not supposed to run into it. Like They all knew instinctively. That this was a really perilous moment, and then when he when he saved it, you know, when he rescued that moment, they just were amazed and just totally impressed with how he handled that. So, um, I, I love that's what I really love about theater is just that just kind of that instant improvisation and just kind of rolling with the punches and just that quick thinking. 
you know, cause li- life is a lot like that. Life doesn't go according to script. It, it goes however it wants. And so you have to, you have to go with it. So, um, th- that is such a valuable thing about live theater. So now let, let's talk about Christian youth theater. You know, what makes, what, what is Christian youth theater? What makes it unique? And, uh, let's talk more about that. Great. So Christian Youth Theater is an international organization. There are um, branches all over the United States and a couple in a different, few different countries. And it's been around for about 40 years. And we decided to do the CYT Austin branch when I felt God calling me out of a school setting and into the community. And we had seen a show in California and we're like, what is this? And we were just so impressed and excited because it was exactly in line with the way that I had been teaching and directing theater in my private school um, setting. And so it was the perfect fit and we were super excited about it. So how it operates is it is a training in the arts program. It's not a program where you just come and get to be in a play and you audition you have to be involved in the training because we are about training. Our goal and our mission is to develop character in young people through excellent training in the arts. And you don't necessarily get uh, character building when you're just in a play. When you have opportunities to grow your skill and you understand the necessity of growth and the necessity of sitting back a little bit until you've grown your skill and those kind of character traits, you grow your character. And so we are training. We're about training, but we're also about putting on main stage performances. So we're set up in 10 week sessions. We do three 10 week sessions a a season, which is in a year, except for now in the pandemic, we have nine weeks of the student's personal class that they've chosen to take for two hours once a week to build their skills in vocals, acting, dance, some specialty type classes. And then if they want to be in the show, they can audition and they do that audition the first night of class or the first week of class. And then if they're cast in the show, then every Saturday they rehearse for this main stage production. And typically our shows are, uh, we do four shows and we have about, 1,800 to 2,000 people that attend the, our performances. So that's the basics of who we are. What is different about us as a theater company is that as a Christian organization, we believe that God values every single person. So every single student that walks in our door, we know God values that student. And They may or may not be gifted in the arts at all, and that's completely irrelevant. What's relevant is that it's our job to find those things that God has put into that child that are fantastic and that are a unique combination for God's plan for them. And we look for those things so that we can speak those things and affirm those things in those students. And that is something that. I talk to our staff about that I want my teachers to do and directors to do, to be looking for those things so that those students feel valued as leaders and as staff members and teachers, we want to lead like Christ. We want to be the mentor, the adult 
Christian mentor in these students' lives. And so we are constantly looking for ways that we can speak life into them. Uh, We also have extremely high expectations. And this is something that is different from some of the other youth theaters that I've known or been a part of or or have seen even in our own city is our expectations are high. And what that means, and, and I'll start with my expectations are high. And so that means that everyone that is working for me, their expectations are going to be high. But high expectations to me mean that I see what the child is capable of. And so I'm not going to stop pushing them until I see that they are at their personal best. And we are not in the business of giving accolades for things that weren't worked hard for. And so we're kind of in opposition to some of today's cultural thinking about everyone needs a a trophy and everyone needs to be given accolades. We want to see value in students and speak that value into them. But we also want to make sure that we are developing a great work ethic in them. And the only way to get a great work ethic is to demand it, right? And you Mm -hmm. just demand it. So if a student is not pulling their weight in a dance or in a scene, or they haven't learned their lines and the whole rest of the scene, the students know their lines, they're letting those students down. They're letting themselves down, but they're letting those students down. And so we we will require that they come up to the plate or they will be replaced. And so usually the students cannot stand me when they first meet me. They cannot <laughs> stand me. I am mean. They they go home and tell their parents, oh my gosh, like there's only one person I can't stand and it's this lady that's like telling me <laughs> stuff. But I, I, I always laugh to myself because I know what's going to happen. What's going to happen is that eight-year-old who thinks I'm mean is going to realize at the end of the run of their play or their musical that yes, they did the work and they did a great job and the audience loved them and their parents were proud and they hung up their costume and they're like the older kids and they're walking tall and they're so happy with themselves. And that is the goal. It's the goal because there's no way to get that feeling unless you've worked for it. And so high expectations and not not letting them get by with sort of a sort of good job, a sort of mediocre. So that's something that I feel like is what makes us appear more professional, even though these we're working with children, because not only do we have talented kids who work hard, but we expect them to do a certain level of work. And they do. They come up to the plate because children come up to what you expect. They mm-hmm. always do. And then something else that makes us different that I just, I, I, this is one of my favorite parts about directing uh, students is just having the ability, because we are a Christian organization and there's no surprise there when you sign up, we have the ability to talk through the scripts and to talk about the biblical view of this, of this script and the themes and the messages and the values and, and the worldview. The worldview. And before we start the first Saturday, that's what we do is we talk through, you know, you've read the script, students. Now you tell me, what have you noticed? What is what does the playwright want? Want what do they want the audience to take away? What do they want them to learn? What are you gonna learn from this? And it's amazing how brilliant these 
kids are. They come up with the most amazing parallels and the most amazing thoughts. And it makes them think it's not just Little Mermaid. There's something deeper here than Little Mermaid. And when we were doing that show, one of the students said, Triton is is a type of Christ. He's like a parallel of Christ because he was willing to die for his daughter. Mm. And, you know, that brought out a whole giant discussion about other parallels. And although we don't Bible thump and we accept all students and all families, you don't have to be a Christian to be in our program. You don't have, that's not a requirement at all. We just are going to show you Christ's love. That's, you just have to be okay with that. You're going to be okay that we, we pray before shows and, and that we talk about the biblical view. To me, that is one of the strongest things we have going in our program is that we have the freedom because of our name to be able to talk about the things that really make the students think, wow, I see that. I see the theme. I see the lesson. Yeah. You know, Naomi has noticed that there have been kids or maybe even families that um, maybe not necessarily from a Christian background or, or at least not a church going background that are joining the program because they have seen the production quality of a show. Like they got invited by a neighbor or a classmate or something. And then they thought, oh my goodness, you know, I, I, I wasn't expecting this for a kid's production. I mean, because that, that's what's so unique about CYT is it's kids running the show in, in a sense that, that they're the stagehand. You know, they're obviously all the actors. They're all the stagehands. And, you know, there's obviously adults running this uh, thing, but they're in the spotlight and they are making things happen behind the scenes. And it, it's not what you would expect kids to do because you're right. We, we've sort of lowered our expectations of what uh, the younger generations can do. But I, I, I love that, that you aren't, you know, letting them settle for second best or, or for just, you know, mediocre. I was on the swim team in high school and we got a new coach my junior year that was uh, this, this lady from New York, Coach Churchin. And and she was great. I mean, she was so strict. She was so mean, like you're saying. <laughs> but but she pushed us so hard because she saw what we are capable of. And you know, one of the first things she said to me was, "Why are you swimming long distance? You're not a distance swimmer. You're a sprinter." And I thought, "Oh, well, I didn't know that." And sure enough, I started getting really good at sprinting. And then I started going to afternoon practice uh, with her with this other program. And so I was swimming like eight miles a day at, at one point. <laughs> so just like an insane amount of work. I, I realized she was pushing us so hard because she believed in us. And, and that was really empowering to, to have someone say, I, I know you're capable of more than this. I know you can do better and I'm going to help you get there. Well, we had a relay team that went to state, but I personally went to regionals and, and did very well there. And I... I started off in high school slower than every boy and slower than almost every girl. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I, I had a huge change uh, thanks to that coach. And, you know, it's all because of this um, just really strong work ethic that that has benefited me in so many areas of my life. Uh, Julie, I, I've seen this personally in CYT, my, my kids being involved. And, and I've seen this from other kids that I could see the terror in their eyes sometimes when when you call them out, and it's it's always fun to watch to see think what's going to happen. But then I'll see that same kid in the after party after all the shows are over. I'll see those same kids say uh, thank you in front of all their friends and say thank you for 
this opportunity. Thank you for believing in me. Thank you for pushing me hard. And so it it's great. There's this one moment, Julie, I always think about, and, and I always joke about this with Naomi. It, it was in The Little Mermaid, and there was a kid doing a song, and and you were sitting in the back of the theater because I, I like how you like to move around the room and kind of look from different spots. And you said, I'm falling asleep back here. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you know, if someone had just walked in, they, they would have think, well, that's, that's really mean. Like, why would she say that? But, uh, you know, I saw the, the kid immediately well, get, get a little scared, but then immediately go, okay, I, I see what you're saying that I'm just, I'm not projecting because you know, <laughs> you're, you're in the back of the room and they got it. You know, this kid understood, okay, I, I need to sing louder. I need to sing with more emotion. Um, you know, I, I need to engage the whole audience and they really saw it as this, they saw it the, the way you should see it, which is I'm here to serve the audience. Right. You know, it, it's not just, I, I need to kind of get in my little bubble here and kind of disappear. Right. I I'm there for the audience. And so through CYT, it, it's like, you, you know, the motto is find your character. And so there, there really is this aspect of character development and spiritual development. And, you know, what does that look like? Can you, can you tell us a story of where you've, you've seen that aspect grow in a student? In general, as you know, we've already talked about, there is always the, the spiritual aspects of our program are being able to talk about the script and the things that we've talked about and the b- biblical worldview of everything. But we also have and require students to sign a behavior contract, which means that there, our expectation is that they're going to not have foul language and it's real basic stuff, but we have that expectation. And we have had families come in that are not believers and they, they have gone ahead and signed the contract and they haven't had any qualms with it at all. But the, biggest piece of any push from a spiritual aspect is the piece that the students need to learn to appreciate other people and love other people the way that Christ does. And that means that even if someone else gets the role that they wanted, that they have to control that emotion Mm. and go to the love and go to the being happy for attitude. The first Saturday of our rehearsal, I always talk about the disappointment. And that's one of the biggest things that theater teaches you is, is to how to overcome disappointment and how to not be jealous and how to get rid of that envy. You know, we're people. I mean, we're humans. We're going to have those kinds of feelings. But we don't have to have our attitude be driven by those feelings and our reactions and our behaviors be driven by those feelings. And so I have seen several students be devastated by not receiving a role and watch them deliberately put into action love, encouragement, and kindness toward the person that got that role. And Mm. I believe that part of that is that they're seeking God personally anyway, but not all are Christians that decide that. But also I believe that part of it is because we discuss it. I help them understand that they're not a bad person because they feel that way. They're just a person and that they can decide what they're going to do with those feelings. They can allow Christ to give them what they need to be able to show love and encouragement to someone who has the role that they want. 
So I've seen it. I've seen it in that way many times. And I've even seen it towards me. I have a student who was very devastated in her last show about the role that she got. And I knew she was, but instead of being angry toward me and talking about me and gossiping about why I did this or that, she just sent me the most beautiful text and said that she appreciated that I'm great at casting and that she's so happy about her part. And that it just, it was a very grateful text, even though I knew that she was probably doing it through tears. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's the the biggest spiritual piece that comes through in our program is just helping students understand that they can choose how to deal with their emotions. They can choose to do the right thing and to follow Christ. And they can practice doing that in a safe environment. They can practice it. It's the first lessons of life, right? Disappointment. How in the world do you deal with it? Yeah, we uh, we have this saying a lot that when we play board games or other kind of tabletop games with our kids, I, I just get, I harp on this thing that we're playing this game so that you can learn how to lose in life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you you have to learn how to lose. It, it's not you know, only one person wins a game, and in some some games we play are cooperative and like you know, and that's kind of fun because then we win together, or we lose together. But, you know, life hands you disappointment after disappointment. And 2020 is the year of disappointments. Right. And so, gosh, that that is such a huge uh, character development. You know, as you're sitting there talking about that, I'm, I'm thinking of that verse, uh, John 3, where he says, um, he must increase, I must decrease. Uh, and, you know, we, we have this uh, sticker that we have on things that it, it comes from Hawaii. It's just a, it says he, and then a greater than symbol, I. Uh, he, he greater than I, and, and that is like, you know, such a core element of the Christian life that, that we we have to decrease so that God may increase and so that others can increase. You know, we, we're not supposed to just look out for our own interests, but look out for the interests of others. Um, you know, have this attitude of yourself, just like Christ Jesus, who became obedient to the father unto death by a cross. And so in Philippians two, like, this is such a great counter to the toxic nature of the social media culture that everything is about promoting yourself and getting likes and, and often at the expense of others, you know, through cyberbullying or just mean kind of behavior that is, is become the norm in our online culture, which, you know, it's, it's easy to, it's easy to slam online culture, but that's where we're all living right now. Right. <laughs> like our entire lives are online and now we're seeing, you know, the, the fruit of that, that it's, it's, it's become even more self-focused and, and, and about, you know, taking down other people. But this theater program is, you know, CYT is such a great response to that, that it's not about you getting the role you want. It's about supporting others in the role that, that have the role that you wanted to have. And I think when we first got involved with the program, that that was something that I was really amazed by. Like I, I, we saw these kids audition for different parts, and then you would see these kids that I, you know, I, I don't know anything, but I thought they had great auditions, but they weren't in the that role. But they were just in a, um, you know, just a background character or a stagehand or or just something else, just completely in the shadows. And I sat there and thought, what would motivate a kid? to continue on, you know, being in the shadows like that. 
So, you know, talk to me about that. Like, why do these kids stick around if they're not in the spotlight? Because, you know, to me, I would think, oh, you would just try out. And if you didn't get it, you would leave. So what what keeps them involved? There's a couple of reasons. Uh, First of all, one of the biggest reasons is because CYT becomes their friend base. And it's their family and the parents get to know each other and they become friends and it becomes this big community. And for many of our students, not all, but many of our students, they have been looking for a tribe. They don't necessarily fit in in their high school or their middle school. They're artistic, creatives, or maybe not so creative, but introverted, or they just feel different. And like most middle school and high schoolers, they just feel like they're different, right? We, we all think mm-hmm. we're different, but they haven't found that niche, that, that group of kids where they feel like they can be themselves and be accepted. And part of it too is because they're, they're a Christian artist. They're an artist who's a Christian. And so they don't necessarily want to go along with some of the things that some of their artistic friends are who are not believers. And so they, they are, they're fine. They are niche. They find their tribe. And so they're willing to continue to be involved because they just want to be with their friends and they want to be part of such a fun opportunity. You know, they just enjoy the process. When we first started, we were, we were small. Our first cast was Music Man with 26 students. And at that point, just about everybody was going to get a role, right? Because (laughs) there was 26 people. Now that we've grown and as we've grown, it's become a little harder for those that started with us to recognize that we're not a tiny theater. We're a larger theater. And that just because you've been in the program, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get a lead role every time because there's other people that need opportunity. And so my job and the other directors that work with me, their jobs are to recognize who needs a role now. Of the kids that we think could play the role, who needs the role? And sometimes I don't know who needs the role, and I just pray over it. And it takes me about a week to cast a show because I'm, I'm reshuffling the puzzle many, many times. Hmm. And I will tell the students, listen, sometimes I don't know why this person needs the role, but I know that I need to give them the role. And then I know why they needed the role. And we've had hmm. times where... I gave someone a role and the next week their mom found out she had cancer and it was devastating, a devastating time. And that child needed a place to be that was protecting their mind from the thoughts about their mom having cancer. And that's one of many, many stories like that. But I always tell the students, you know, you may think you need the role, but there might be someone else that needs the role more than you. And so they have to buy into and, and trust me. And sometimes if they're coming in as a diva and they just want a good role, our program is not for them. <laughs> it's just not for them because, and it doesn't mean that, that some of our, our stronger kids aren't going to get roles all the time, especially if they're the only ones that look like they're the old enough to play the role. But it does mean that, you know, that doesn't promise them anything just because they're the best singer and the best actor that doesn't promise them anything. I need to watch what their work ethic's like. I always tell the kids, hey, 98% of people are talented in the whole world, okay? But only 2% want to put the work in and do that extra work to make it excellent. So 
I'm watching you. And if I don't know you and you come into the program, I'm going to watch you. I'm going to watch your work ethic. You're always auditioning for me. And if you can't stay on task, you're disruptive, you're disrespectful, you don't take direction well, you don't learn your lines because you don't think you have a big enough part to have to worry about it, then I will not consider you for a, a lead. I just won't. And so kids coming in, they, they understand up front because I'm very clear about the expectation. And so if they stay and they haven't gotten a role, it's, it's because of their, their friend and it's because that they know that, that I care about them and I'm, I'm looking for the right role for them in the future. Yeah, I, I've seen this process happen with, with new students that have come in. You know, we've been involved for a few years now. And sometimes there's this expectation of coming in of, oh, this will just be fun and kind of silly and just, you know, just playing around or whatever. And then they quickly realize, no, this is about work. <laughs> this is about hard work. It's funny to watch that process happen. You see these kids that think, oh, I'm just going to goof around or whatever. And then they realize, no, you, you really have to work at this. And, you know, again, this is where I don't understand much having no theater background, but a little bit I've, I've understood uh, from Naomi's experience and w- what a great skill to develop again for the rest of life of just this hard work ethic. And I have seen this develop in my own kids. So Annalee, you know, she has a background and uh, she's, she's always loved to sing and dance. And she's been, she was involved in that before CYT. And I've really watched her come into her, her element. Th- this environment has not only been so wholesome, it's really given her opportunities to expand her skill set and you know she's become this little director kind of like you were <laughs> as, as a kid uh Annale has arranged little theater productions in her class at school she did a music video with uh, her sister maya um, awesome. she performed as glinda in this um in this wicked musical at our uh, ministry conference for for college students you know and as just a uh, middle school kid. And so it, it's been really fun to watch her really take this on and, and just go even further with her interest. And then also for Maya, it's been fun to watch her develop. Uh, the first time she came and watched an audition, she whispered to Naomi, oh, I can never do that. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, she got to know the girl that played Ariel in Little Mermaid. And, uh, and Ariel, you know, really encouraged Maya to sign up for a class. And, and at first it was just like a joke. Maya's like, ha ha, you know, I, I, I don't think so. But, you know, this girl wouldn't give up on her and said, Maya, you have to join a class. Oh, sweet. <laughs> and so we were all surprised when, when she signed up because uh, she is our, our truly introverted kid. Right. But I, I love how you said it's the introverts that are often the stars because they really you know, internalize all of this and they they think through these roles. And now what we're seeing with Maya is that, you know, she's not just the quiet kid in her, in the shadow of her big sister. She's not just this timid kid anymore. She's really speaking out more in her class at school. She's really stepping into different leadership roles. And and I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, You know, we, we talk about this whole live theater means mistakes and, and just, just learning how to roll with it. So uh, so like everything else, Maya's on a lot of Zoom calls. And so she was on this uh, gymnastics Zoom call the other day. And all of a sudden, the instructor's uh, internet connection went out and he just disappeared. So this whole class is like, well, what do we do? <laughs> and so Maya figured out, first of all, how to take over the uh, the host role. And <laughs> I don't know how <laughs> she did this. So she she took over the call and then was able to like 
you know, mute and unmute people and then, uh, and then get, get rid of the waiting room. So other people could, could join back in. And then, uh, and then she just said, okay, well, let's just do stretches now. Okay. Now let's do lunges now. And so she started like directing the class of, of her peers. And then the, uh, the instructor came back in, uh, eventually his internet came back in and he was like, wait, what Maya's in, uh, running the class now? Like, uh, this is not what I expected. And, uh, so he sent this hilarious note to Naomi. He's like, he's like, I don't want to be over dr- dramatic, but that was amazing. <laughs> you know, she recognized the problem. She took charge. She solved the problem and then just clearly and calmly communicated the situation to the adult when he, you know, when I, when he came back in the room and he's like, that is a crazy, awesome skill set for a young woman. So, uh, you know, I, I've seen that develop in my own kids. And so, you know, to our, to our listener, to your listener out there, you know, th- this is such a great way to develop yourself or your children, you know, th- these skills you just, you can't get otherwise. So Julie, how, how can our listeners get involved with CYT? You know, if, if there's CYT in their city, uh, you know, they can go to CYT.org and look at the map, but what, what, what are the different ways that parents get involved with CYT? Well, a big part of who we are is our dependence on our family's involvement in our program. Uh, the expectation is that families don't just drop their student off, although they do right now because of the pandemic, but <laughs> in a different time later, um, they, they actually are, um, are volunteers that help build the set, make the costumes. Every parent has a certain amount of volunteer hours that they participate in to uh, help everything run smoothly and be successful, and they take ownership in it. And so it becomes a community for them as well. And so that's the piece of, of what the parents do for CYT once they sign their student up. So that's something they have to be okay with, and they, they have to be all right with becoming a volunteer for us to help the show be successful. And that ends up being typically a wonderful experience for them where they get to know other families and uh, work in, a, in an area that they love and they're passionate about. And uh, sometimes it brings up, you know, old, old passions of theirs that they, that they used to be involved in and now they get to do it again. And so that's always really fun to watch as well. But as far as how to get your student involved or your family involved, you would definitely want to see if there's one in your, in your city. And go to their website and see what they offer. Currently, because it's COVID, uh, most classes are online, but some some areas are offering live classes. And I don't know which states or cities are offering live musicals. I believe that most are waiting until the first of the year to start working towards a full musical. Uh, the full musicals typically have 50 to 80 students. And that's a very hard thing to social distance. And singing is also a difficult thing because it does spread the virus. So um, that's kind of on hold for that type of thing. But the other, the other things are being offered. There's, there's great classes being offered and there's other opportunities. So I would encourage them to just look for one in their area to see if, if, it's something that they would like to be involved in and this, their student would like to be involved in. And there's lots of information on everyone's website about, about the commitment. Well, I, I've really enjoyed my time being involved as the um, dress rehearsal photographer and, you know, just, just getting to sort, sort of be like this paparazzi you know, for these kids and, and really just help them 
uh, just to shine. That's been a wonderful experience just to getting to, to help them, um, you know, see themselves for who they are and just this, uh, you know, cause they're just watching all the other kids. They, they don't necessarily think about how they look, but it, it's just so fun to see them in their costumes and their makeup and just getting in character. And I just love capturing those moments where they are, you know, they've become this character. Like, you know, I'd, I'll never forget when Annalee became Jetsam you know, and, and Little Mermaid. Ah, oh, she's so and, good. And it was just uh, amazing to see this, you know, because she's this sweet kid and, you know, she becomes this villain. And so that, you know, that that's a fascinating thing in and of itself of t- taking on the kind of the the bad guy character. Right. So um, so in, any final thoughts for our listeners about CYT in, in theater? Just know that that CYT is motivated to excellence because of Jesus Christ and because of the gospel and because of us encouraging the students to do their work as if they're doing it for God, not for other people. So that they're not looking for accolades. They're looking for for the ability to say, God, I'm taking what you've gifted me in. I'm taking these gifts you've given me and I'm I'm using them to bring life and joy and laughter to people. And I want to do my best work for you. That's the attitude that we want our students to have. So if that's something that you want your student to have, that you want them to, whatever they're working on, to have that instilled in them as a young person, as they grow into their own journey, then CYT is definitely a place for them. Well, I can't wait until live theaters open again and we get to see all these performances in person and not through a screen. Um, it's going to be uh, amazing to get back into that. So Julie, thank you so much for joining the Fantastical Truth podcast today. We've really loved having you on. Thank you so much. It's been so fun. Our thanks to Julie Novak for coming on Fantastical Truth. You know, Stephen, it was really fun that she mentioned that Mary Poppins was her fantastical origin story because that was the first play that my oldest daughter had a part in like on stage. And so it's kind of come full circle a bit and we, you know, we can't wait until their next musical is able to be on stage again. And hopefully some new kids will get to discover CYT live theater and just this great environment that they've built. So to our CYT listeners out there, we want to hear from you. Give us uh, your response to this episode. You can email us at podcast at lorehaven.com or you can comment anywhere you see this episode. Zach, this episode has us inspired to plan a future episode in which we are asking uniquely kids, kids who love fantasy, any kind of fantastical story, whether it's a, a book or something else, we want to do a future episode about the best kid recommended fantasy stories. Again, whether or not you know that a Christian wrote it, uh, we are going to be putting that together in a future episode and we'd love to hear from you. So once more, you can email us podcast at lorehaven.com or ask a parent, a legal guardian, whoever it is uh, to help send your note. If you have a story that just reached out to you in a special way, maybe you saw a good gift or beauty of God reflected in this story or saw the gospel in a different way because of this amazing story that someone gave you or that you found on your own. Let us know how you found the story, what the story was about. Obviously, list the name and tell us especially how you felt about that story. What made you love it so much? 
Make sure to get that at podcast at lorehaven.com or comment, like Zach said, wherever you see this episode, and we will get that episode put together as soon as we have some feedback to put into it. Meanwhile, whether or not you enjoy theater or musical theater or are an actor on this stage, we can learn from actors. Let's do so as we are finding ourselves reduced and as we are acting like Jesus, as we are playing at being like Jesus until suddenly we find that, oh, what do you know? We actually are becoming like Jesus as we continue to seek and find fantastical truth.